early 90s America make it specific Texas North Texas a young uncle Hokage would go to a birthday party at the age of 10 or 11 or 12 at the birthday party it would be mini golf or it would be go-kart racing or it would be dodgeball or something all these different places were these great facilities there's already batting cages there would be um moon bounces there would be pinball and there would be the arcade arcade was all i cared about the arcade was where i lived the arcade was the only place i wanted to be in that arcade you would hear one sound and one sound only hadouken over and over and over again hadouken 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 that's what you would hear because in the 90s the video game of the arcade was street fighter 2 now at that time i was too young to be thinking tournament i was too young to be thinking competitive all i wanted to do was play all i wanted to do was put in my quarter and get as far as i possibly could in the game to try and win the game i wanted to see the fights against balrog and vega i wanted to see if i could beat him bison and i couldn't i could not it was way too hard but there was something thrilling about street fighter 2 now most people don't know the first street fighter but i have vague memories of seeing it in a gas station by my house uh, me and my friends i think we were crossing a street we weren't supposed to to get to a gas station which i had no business being at probably the one where my mother told me not to go but in the back corner while my friends were buying candy cigarettes which yes that was a thing back in the day how terrible is that um i saw this weird arcade game where it was kind of this 2d side-stepping punching jumping kicking thing and i remember there was these two guys who had the same face but different hair and there was this tall kind of dark-skinned guy named uh Sag sagat now that was the i guess the parent of the idea of this 2d fighting masterpiece which was about to be unveiled because when street fighter 2 came out it was amazing and it was so unique it filled the lane that didn't exist two characters right on screen but you're not traveling anywhere you're in a set stage you're in a set environment and in that environment you have to combat one another i think there may have been a nintendo game called kung fu where you had the miniature tournament fights so you could be the red guy in the red gi or the guy i think in the black gi or the white gi and you had to try to win fights against people in the tournament but really it was just like a quick draw so when they said go whoever kicked first won the kumise and then there are also exploration parts there was a karate kid game but it was more like exploring the world of karate kid and being daniel-san but this was different 
cast of very strange and odd characters fighting in ways that human beings couldn't realistically fight. But the characters were full size. So it's not like they were foreshortened chibi characters or, an- well, I can't say animals, but they, they, they did things in a way that you thought could be possible, but it's obviously not. So you had Ken and Ryu. Ryu, the main character from Japan, obviously. He's a wandering warrior. And Ken Masters from the United States had the same, they had the, the same teacher, but they had different, um, different geese and slightly different styles on the same style. So they had the same movesets and like different personalities, which, you know, get a little bit more distance in, in later games. But in the first game, they were very, very similar. Um, you had Blanca from Brazil, this green monster who could like charge with electricity. And then you had some normal looking characters like Chun-Li, who looked just like a really strong girl with thick thighs, but the way she fought, her spinning bird kick, think about this, she's hovering upside down, legs in a perfect split, so she looks like an upside down T, and then she's rotating in in the air like a helicopter, her helicopter blade legs and she's flying toward you and when she kicks you she doesn't then fall and like hit the ground and fall over she keeps kicking again and again and again that's who that character is Ken Ryu had a um, hurricane kick of their own where they would do it standing up basically the same thing full split twisting around they would also shoot energy balls called fireballs out of their hands but I mean you get what I'm saying it was crazy it was weird and it was so much fun I don't know if it was the atmosphere I don't know if it was just the fact that it just filled that weird visceral need that young boys have where the human body moving in that weird martial arts way just satisfies something in the gut for people like me who grew up in that kind of anime x-men world we didn't want to watch x-men we wanted to be x-men i didn't i wanted to go to the xavier institute and be cyclops i wanted to have special powers i wanted to have these cool adventures and have to fight these uh, bad guys that's what i wanted when i saw the moves in street fighter i thought you could do the moves like one time I swear to God, I tricked one of my cousins and my brother, and I was like, hey. And they were like, yeah. I was like, because we were sitting around, we were trying to do the sonic boom from Guile. So we were like, okay, I think if you just whip both arms fast enough, it will actually work. And I think that's the trick. So we are sitting there just whipping our arms, just foom, foom. Like trying to make something happen, uh, trying to do Chung Lee's standing kick where her foot gets on fire and all this stuff, and it's just not working. So I'm like, okay. I said, hey, I figured out how to do a Hadouken. They're like, man, no, they're like, no, you didn't. I was like, no, I swear, I swear to God, I swear, I did, I did, I figured it out. And so I pulled both my hands to my side and I held them down low. I went, I kind of pumped myself up, flexing my pectorals and and, and raising and lowering my shoulders like Ryu. 
And then I crouched down and went, Hadouken! And I threw, they didn't realize I had hidden a blue racquetball in my hands, so I threw it at the wall. And they were like, ah! And they freaked out, and they started running away. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, later on, they were like, oh, it's the racquetball. But in the moment, because they weren't expecting it, they were just like, they just couldn't believe it. So I thought that that was awesome. I, I really loved those games. I was obsessed. Anytime we went to a grocery store, I remember my dad going to Menus. I don't even know if that store exists anymore. And there would be arcades in front because arcades were popular. Uh, it wasn't just Street Fighter after a while. There were so many. There was Dark Stalkers. There was uh, Super Street Fighter, which was like the improved version where they added in Fei Long, uh, T-Hawk, Cammy, and DJ. Um, and there were other fighting games. There was Street Fighter 3, which came later. King of Fighters. Um, not Dark Stalkers. I'm trying to think of the ones on Neo Geo, but I'm kind of not quite remembering. There was one where they all had different weapons. That one was kind of tough. But Samurai Showdown. But you get what I'm saying. And they all follow the same kind of genre. One-on-one -on -one fights. Characters that could do unnatural things. Everybody proclaiming a specific style of fighting. So you'd have the sumo wrestler. You'd have the kickboxer. You'd have the, the, the karateka. You had the one doing judo. The wrestler so forth and so on and there always be like a robot or like a monster or something weird like that and then you'd have a crowd in the back just standing around cheering people on all that to say that King and Asura is the realization of 90's Street Fighter but actually animated and created in a way that makes there be context behind the random story of, okay, everybody's standing around fighting and we don't know why. The main character has a reason. The bad guys have reasons. The people, the, 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 the arenas exist for a reason and the people standing in the crowd are there for reasons. All the first few episodes exist to set up these reasons so that you can just sit and indulge in these intense, crazy, bizarre, wild, spectacular fights. Some of the best, most exhilarating fight scenes I've seen when it comes to one-on-one -on -one brawls in the genre. So, I spent the past week kind of watching through that show and if you've seen any of my stuff I posted about it on YouTube posted a little bit about it on Snapchat I posted myself watching it on my Snapchat and my Instagram live and my Instagram story um, I was having a fantastic time and now I kind of find myself chasing the dragon looking for another show that's of that kind of quality and caliber and intensity uh, so I'm still looking to find something that satisfies but um, I think I know what I'm gonna watch like some current stuff but I highly recommend it 
So what I'm gonna do for the rest of this episode is I'm gonna give my entire spoiler-filled thoughts for Kingan Asura season one. Why I think it is just brilliant work of fiction, why I think it is the most ridiculous work of fiction I've ever seen, why I think it's big, bold, beautiful, and exactly what the world needs right now in a world of very samey, very moe-esque, very kind of watered down, sugared up uh, anime where a lot of it is the same and a lot of it is just is what it is. So that's what I'm going to talk about all throughout this episode. Um, stay tuned because I'm going to hit every single point. So if you don't want to be spoiling, if you don't want to uh, know what happens, if you want to watch the episode first, the season first, I highly recommend you doing it because I'm not going to hold any punches. I'm going to jump around. I'll say stuff from the beginning, relating it to the end, from the middle, going inside out, what I think is going to happen, theorizing every possible thing I can think of. Uh, and we're all going to do it right here. So hopefully I'll do it in like a big block, but more than likely I'll just do little bitty chunks strung together because that's kind of how the show is. It's these bursts of fantastic energy and that's kind of what I want to do here. So sit tight, stay tuned, and we're going to walk through Kingan Asura right now. The story in Kingan Asura is so simple it almost doesn't matter and yet because of how simple it is it's the only thing that matters it is the purest most clean cut driving force of the entire show the main character You know what? I'm not even going to say it from that way. Let me say it how the show does it because that's kind of its brilliance. So if you're listening to this section, you've already kind of been warned about spoilers, but I'm going to spoil the entire first season. Um, I haven't read the manga, though I did read half of the first chapter. And I remember stumbling upon it because I do what I always do, where I search for new manga to read. This was one where I'm like, oh, that's kind of kind of neat. But for whatever reason, it didn't hook me in the beginning, but I did think that it was kind of cool. So the opening scene where he's fighting that giant guy in the alleyway, and then the guy goes back to his office, I had seen, but I only had vague memories of it. So that being said, I was very fresh. I was very new when it came to the show. And... I think that that was for the best because I didn't really know where we were going. I didn't know if it was going to be overly violent, which is a little bit of a turnoff for for viewers like me. There are some shows where um, one of the reasons why I don't really prefer horror, the genre, is not so much that it's scary, but it's because it's gross. Like... (laughs) all of the um, the ways where people have these more gruesome and violent deaths it's just like I don't get the fascination like it's just gross to me I don't understand it I never will but I like those thriller shows where it's like oh there may be that person coming around the corner he may lock you in a closet uh, you gotta get the hell away like that's that I'm kinda down with so 
a lot of times, a lot of things that have happened in the sinning genre is that they lean on gore as opposed to leaning on uh, ten- tension and um, that kind of hidden tension that's occurring behind the scenes that makes you feel the raw emotion without just the shock of um, a limb being blown off or whatever. But then sometimes a limb being blown off can be done in a way where it's not gory and it's just shocking, uh, but not gross. So it's like, you gotta find the fine line. This show, I was like, is it gonna go that kind of gory route? Then I was like, okay, is this gonna be the weird historical um, fantasy route? Where it's like something back in time. Like I couldn't quite grasp what they were trying to do because they had that flashback. They had that flashback of like old, of that like old time, the history of the Kingan Arena, and that old uh, scene with all of those leaders solving their differences via the emperor, the young kid who said there should be a one-on-one match, you know, and they're like, oh, genius. <laughs> So, I really didn't quite, I couldn't quite put my finger on what was occurring. And even after um, the opening credits and seeing it again, it didn't hit until the first match. That it's basically Street Fighter, is what it is. It's Street Fighter, but they gave such depth to the context of what's going on. Um, and they fleshed it out just enough and they kind of play with your expectations in a couple of ways to where you're just like oh so I was totally not expecting that so what's cool is the fact that they immediately give you that kind of guy crack crack for guys things that guys like and I just mean like the traditional like uh, notion of these are things that girls like, these are things that guys like. Guys like toughness, they like um, uh, muscles and skill, they like contests, they like um, confrontation, they like uh, the admiration of, uh, of uh, beautiful women, uh, and they like the respect the instant respect of those around them and at the same time guys like catharsis wish fulfillment um, the notion that this is like a design or I guess no it's a design of an ideal of what could be that's kind of what the catharsis is getting out these emotions on screen that you wish you could experience like you, we 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 all wish and when i say we all i mean the target audience guys are they're not simple we're just very we're just very direct guys want to be the super tough badass fighter whom isn't afraid of anything they want to be the they want to have such skill that they can handle any situation think James Bond they want to be smooth think James Bond they want to be 
um, the center of attention, think Don Draper, without even trying. They want to be cool without having to be clownish, think Don Draper. They want to be a star recognized for their skills as opposed to their bravado. Guys want to be tough and powerful and dominating. Uh, they want to be the strongest person around to an absurd degree. Think Dragon Ball Z. They want the, the, the admiration and the respect of their peers. Even if the peer is an enemy, they want to be able to take that enemy down and then have that strong enemy now become a close ally. Think Fairy Tale, think Karate Kid, think Dragon Ball Z. They want to prove their worth in a spectacular fashion and to do it with their shirt off and have women swoon. That's what guys want. And seeing the show like this <coughs> or various other manga and anime, it's that is one of the prototypical main character traits. Um, when you look at the character for Cowboy Bebop, that's basically who he is, but without the muscles. He's smooth, he's cool, he's capable, he's respected instantly, he can handle himself, he's talented, he has a past of uh, all of the hard training and the hard work and the hard effort he put in. That's one of the key traits, is for whatever reason, there's always the respect of hard work, long things being long drawn out. Uh, understanding that yeah that's how I would be and then people will respect that work because it's innately it's it, it, inside of a lot of us um, so it, it it has it literally has that uh, right from the beginning with uh, Oma um, but he's almost not quite the main character uh, the main character is almost uh, Yamishita um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering all the names, um, so bear with me <laughs> uh, until I watch that whole season again, which I might do soon. With a beer? Oh my god. So, Yamashita is almost like an exaggerated version of how a lot of guys feel that they are. Not just old guys, but guys in high school too. Guys in their 30s like your Uncle Hokage, guys whom maybe they're in their 20s, but they don't have any actual power. Maybe they're going to work for someone who controls them. Maybe they're not getting the uh, romantic life that they wish they had. Maybe they wish they were cool, but they weren't. So he is almost like the manifestation of the weakest qualities within us all, exaggerated and amplified. So we can truly see the shock of being dragged into this type of life because it's so testosterone fueled and it's so exaggerated and so manly that when you bring in somebody whom is the opposite, whom is like the counter to the, the, that particular weight, then the, the contrast stands out in relief. And I think that's what's so cool about it. So he, and seeing him, somebody who's being constantly talked down to, walked all over, and seeing 
in the moment after the back alley brawl, how he just changes. He immediately says he goes and he makes love to a woman that she had done forever. And he's just full of energy and something inside him woke up. The testosterone in him woke up. That is the on-screen personification of what a lot of guys feel inside when they're watching the show. And I'm sure a lot of girls do too. But at its nature, they're targeting a particular audience. And I think that's very, very cool. Um, One of the other things that I just love about the setup is that it explains why these guys are doing this fight. And I think that's what the best tournaments do. Um, In addition to what anime has always done well that video games have not really is explaining why there are all these one-on-one matches. Anime have done it fantastically well for years. Probably the best is, or the, the grandfather of it is Dragon Ball. If you haven't read it, not Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball. You need to read that because it's one of the first tournament style fightings that there is. Uh, within that fighting, you even see the, the floor that has those kind of squares in it. And I almost feel like that's where it originated from. The kind of squares drawn into the floor or etched into the floor. That's what I'm talking about. Um, other great examples. Yu Hakusho, Hunter Hunter, Naruto, um, even One Piece now. <laughs> um, it's almost like one of those staples where it's like, okay, you did this arc and this arc. When are we going to do like a fighting tournament arc? That is paramount. That is mandatory. And for whatever reason, even though we've seen it a bunch of times, we've seen it like thousands and thousands, well, hundreds and hundreds of times, we still love it. It is so much fun because it is the most rawest um, example of the thing that attracts a lot of people to anime. Martial arts plus cleverness plus um, uh, competition and and victory. Um, Yu Yu Hakusho peaked at its arc, at least for myself as a viewer. and I watched it recently for the first time. Even though Hunter x Hunter is my favorite, I hadn't watched Yu Yu Hakusho uh, for whatever reason. But I watched all the way through the tournament arc, and then I'll watch more later after my cooldown period. But the tournament was fantastic. It was interesting. It was unique. It wasn't the same. And I think Hunter x Hunter is even better when we get to the Tournament of the Heavens. Um, Naruto has the Chunin exams, famously. My, well, my favorite arc series set in Naruto um, and I could go on and on um, but it's it's so good that style is always good because we have the context we learn why Goku and Krillin are trying to fight in this tournament and it's to appease their master they want to it's part of their training they have to actually apply the techniques they've learned to realize that all of the endurance training and all of the intensity and the toughening up actually can be applied in this arena. This is how strong you are. The uh, Hunter Hunter tournament is because they're trying to find out this weird mystery 
of what's going on with the world, what's going on with, I thought I was a hunter, why do I feel like I'm missing a piece of the puzzle? Um, and then on and on. Street Fighter, Rival Schools, uh, Mortal Kombat, uh, Eternal Champions, Samurai Showdown. The backstory is off screen. And because it's off screen, they can just kind of do it in these weird paragraphs and these video clips. So it's like it's there, but that doesn't necessarily a story make. The tournament has to come out of the story and that will make the story good as opposed to the tournament as the only good thing. Because you can always have a good tournament. But when you combine that with a good story, you've got gold. And that's what King and Asura has done. The tournament is gold and the story is another precious metal. And I think that over everything is the reason why I can't get in, I just could not get enough of it. I binged almost all of it um, on my third day of watching it. So I started it at like 10 p.m. one night and I wake up pretty early to get to work. I wake up at about 5.30, 5.45, and I watched like two episodes, and I fell asleep on the couch trying to watch more. Then, uh, the next night, I did the exact same thing. I tried to watch one episode. I fell asleep on the couch, watched uh, like one and a half, so I had to go back. Well, finally, um, after a couple of days, Sunday rolled around, I woke up, and I just went, cr- no, no, no. I watched three episodes one night. And I was like, cool. That satisfied me. I'm in there. And then the Sunday, I binge watched the entirety of the rest of the season. And that, um, I guess, consistency, that string, each episode pulled me to the next. I wasn't impatient. I wasn't waiting for them to hurry up. I wasn't thinking, oh my God, this is taking so long. When are they going to get to... XYZ, there are moments in all of my favorite anime where I wish things would hurry up. In Naruto, the first arc is too long. It's 19 episodes, especially back in the day when we were downloading them one at a time. And just getting through Zabuza was 19 episodes. It didn't need to be that long. But this one doesn't have any of that fat on it. Though the fat you can argue is part of the fun of the journey. Those little idiosyncrasies, the little extended little bits. Um, but they eventually had to speed it up because it was just overwhelming. It was too much. This show doesn't have that. It has context. It has the crazy brawls. It has the cool random fighters. It has the different styles. And it has that beautiful um, switch up where you feel like the story is going to be one thing and then it just sort of changes so in the beginning you have him um backing this cool new fighter oma main character he's awesome find out there there's some other strong people in the world cool but then when he wins the president guy says yeah, and I'm not backing you. I just wanted my ticket and I'm backing this other guy. And you're freaking out because you're like, hey, I just went on this journey with Oma too. What are we going to do? Did he get double crossed? And then he says, this is the fighter and it's some guy in a Hawaiian shirt. 
and you as a viewer feel betrayed and that's what's so beautiful i didn't realize how connected i was to the main character until he wasn't allowed to go to the tournament and then when i'm like well he's making a mistake but then Oma gets handled by this guy this old guy handles him easily wasn't even close even after he went berserk um didn't matter And then you realize it was fair. He wasn't good enough. So now it creates a new journey for the character, new growth opportunities. And can we mention the berserk nature of it? I feel like that's something deep inside of a lot of guys. We already want that cool, strong bit, but then we want to be able to just go berserk and go crazy, Hulk out. One of the reasons why I think the Hulk is so beloved. One of the reasons why I think... <laughs> um, Logan, no, I don't want to say it because it's going to be a crazy spoiler, but go look up Joe Abercrombie, read some stuff. Joe Abercrombie, read his first trilogy, thank me later. Um, fantasy books, in case you're wondering. It's one of the reasons why we like when those characters blank out and then they go crazy. When Phaeton and Hunter Hunter puts on that armor, bruh. <laughs> Like, when he puts on that armor suit, bruh, <laughs> it's over. Because he's no, longer, he's no longer playing it safe. He's no longer being cautious. He's just letting go. And that's kind of the appeal. That is the appeal of that type of um, personality shift. When somebody is able to kind of do that we envision how good it must feel to be able to do that and to be successful because we know that if we tried that in real life we'd just get our asses kicked we would just get beat up knocked down pushed around because even if we are skilled you never know what's going to happen you never know someone may have a gun you know i'm not bulletproof but i bet you oma is <laughs> goku is right so this is what i'm getting at it is so relatable even though it's so unbelievable and so bizarre and so over the top it's so relatable and that's its strength that connection to these characters that consistency that um, the fact of how intertwined everybody is and can be that is really what brings us together in this show so i'd say this is my favorite show i've watched in a while and there's so many little aspects of it that i like but the moment as i was stating the moment that the 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 context of the show shifted was when he went to the first fight the first i think it was his first official kingan match no 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 not his first official one because we were st it was still too new his second one against the pro wrestler and then when I realize kind of what's going on and Yamashita kind of realized what's going on. They're standing around, there's a crowd cheering and there's cars and this whole new setting. I'm like, oh, this isn't just some random thinking. This is 130% Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter Alpha any of them street fighter ex <laughs> that's what it's that's what it is that's what's going on and from then 
the 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 series kind of lightened a little bit because I now had this extra context in regards to the show. This character wasn't just doing things that were believable to an extreme level. He was incredibly unbelievable. Let's talk characters. One of the things that always makes those particular style of games so engaging are the characters. It's not just a fighting game because they're fighting. It's because you like some of the characters for whatever particular reason. They're cool, they're cute, they're strong, they're scary, they're wild. That's one of the things that always kind of translates over in regards to whichever aspect or whichever title you were playing is that no matter what, you always could find one character that you vibe with, one character that you liked, one character that you preferred. Um, so who are my go-to characters in fighting games? Because I do have them. In Street Fighter, my go-to character is Ken. He's like Ryu, but with some style. He's a typical American, super boisterous and wild. And unlike me, he's like your typical like extroverted, flamboyant, in-your-face type guy. That's probably what the appeal is. I know a lot of people in the U.S. really love Ryu because he's like the strong, silent, badass type. But the strong, silent type, that's like me in real life, so there's no fantasy there, you know what I mean? Um, when it comes to games like Rival Schools, I think I like Batsu, mainly because he was essentially like... He had the skill set of Ken and Ryu. He's like Ryu light. But I also liked Sakura because she was fun and she was kind of bubbly and quick. Wasn't as strong. Her fireballs weren't quite as impressive, but she was really cool player to play. And I liked using Sakura in rival schools. I actually think I preferred her the most. Though there were some cool ones. Shoma was dope. Um, he was the baseball guy, for those of you wondering. And seeing him come out of nowhere and smack one of the characters across the entire field with a giant red baseball bat was always really satisfying. In Street Fighter Alpha, I really love Street Fighter Alpha. That game was so much fun. I still think it was Ken. There's something about, I think Street Fighter Alpha was the perfect Street Fighter game because it had the core mechanics of the original title elevated them polished them and it had enough unique characters to where it didn't feel samey and what's the guy's name Akuma or Akuma he was just really intense and his special abilities were just so cool I really did like Street Fighter Alpha it had some really cool interesting characters uh, Street Fighter 3 when they introduced the parry mechanic it was tougher for me because I wasn't used to it and that's 100% on me I could have done more 
to learn that mechanic. But you get what I'm saying. Every single one of those fighting games, there was always one character that you associated with. Even if it's Smash Brothers, even if it's uh, Samurai Showdown, even if it's Mortal Kombat, you have a preference. And that is what's so cool about Kingen Asura. Is you get the same vibe. And because you don't control them, you don't really feel the pressure of winning and you're just observing but you still feel the excitement the way that it kind of plays the actual fights and the actual battles and stuff like that together it does it in a way where each character even if they lose the match for the most part gets a little brief moment to shine and so you're like, oh, even with the character loses, you're like, oh, this is why this character is so badass. So I think it's great. Um, and then it has its weird characters, right? If you ever were questioning <laughs> that this was Street Fighter repurposed, let me break down some of the characters. I don't know all their names, but I know them by character, right? There was the one guy who is basically like Blanca. He's wild and rough and he's got spiky hair and he walks like a beast and he's just an animal and all he wants to do is fight and kill and bite and all that stuff. So he's in the game. Then you have another character who um, kind of walks on his hands and feet. And he's really skinny and he's really spidery. And he has extremely long hair that through some like special technique he can utilize as a weapon and it's unbreakable and it's like a whip. And he looks like a ghoul and so forth and so on. Then you have this one guy who's like a mix between Balrog and that other French guy, uh, I can't remember his name, from Street Fighter Alpha, I think is when he first showed up. Now, this guy tenses up his legs, right? He tenses up his legs and is able to kind of propel himself across, like, the arena. So he literally propels himself horizontally across the arena... And when he does that, he shoots across, hands, fists first, like M. Bison doing his Psycho Crusher. This is what I'm talking about. It's these weird impossibilities where you're realizing, oh, this isn't really taking itself that seriously. Not really. And what's hilarious is that even though it isn't taking itself that seriously, even though it isn't like kind of going like crazy or anything, it still feels almost realistic. You're like, well, maybe if I learn how to tense my leg muscles, I could shoot across horizontally and punch somebody in my face with in the face with my double fist. Like it's absurd, but you still kind of do it. And you know why you do it? 
because you are invested in the show you believe it you like it it's fun it's exciting and despite the fact that we've matured we are still kids kids at heart I am still that guy. I was that kid that was sitting there with his cousin and his brother, swinging my arms like rapidly because I just knew I could do a sonic boom if I did it fast enough. I'm that kid that did the Chung Lee kick. Because I knew if I kicked fast enough, my leg would light on fire. This is what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's nonsense, right? It's silly, but we all love it and we all kind of do it. Um, additionally, there's this one aspect where the characters go berserk. Uh, and Oma does it. And this other character does it. Where he's getting the crap beat out of him. He's losing his fight. But then he releases something inside him. And he like turns full gray. And it's like a secret hidden technique. And he goes berserk and he becomes super strong. And he becomes basically unbeatable. And he's just a wild killer. It's cool. It's weird. It's not real. It's, fict- it's fictitious. It's, it's superb. <laughs> and I think that that aspect of it... Is what draw is what it's one of the driving forces behind this show. So, and then the show on top of that, it's funny. It is a show where I genuinely was laughing, basically throughout. And what it does is it plays to the type of humor that you can kind of only do in this show. So Yamashita is this weak, frail old guy, and he seems like he's good natured and he gets just oh I just got wrapped up in this situation I don't know how it happened so as he slowly 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 starts getting involved in this like world these he just like humbly accepts bets and gets like involved in weird gambling and starts drinking with tycoons and like kind of gets pumped up and then he starts saying Oma could win any fight like just ridiculous stuff and he's so weak and frail but he just sort of accidentally avoids a lot of situations one of the things that's really funny is that this group of assassins is coming to take these people out and he's like okay real quick that looks like the head of the corporation. I'm going to throw... He throws like a dart with his finger. And Oma like ducks down to bow. And at that right moment, he happens to dodge like the dart. And he's like, how did he know? Who is this mastermind genius? And he's not. He's just this kind of like humble, bumbling guy. But he's getting like all this crazy respect by his like, circ- like weird happenstance. And it's like really funny. Um... His circumstances is so, it's so ridiculous. He's got a son that doesn't talk to him. Um, He's been like a shut-in, which is a typical neat. But then the surprise, surprise, his son is like secretly um, head of this massive corporation. And he's like working out of the basement. He's like, ah, I see my father has gotten wrapped up into this King and Astra game. Uh, I, I wonder who his pawn is. And he like, thinks his dad is now this like big player. But really, 
He's like some secret genius who's hiring like these hitmen assassins and all this stuff. And he's like, just hasn't come outside. And he's like, I'll control the world inside my bedroom, my dad's bedroom. Like a part, like it makes no sense, but it's just fun. It's just silly. It's just over the top. And all these characters just make it great. Um, and it has the cool rivals become your friends thing that a lot of shonen shows have. Uh, which happens in standing shows as well. Where one character is like, they fight. That character loses. And now, they really regard the main character as a friend. That's like that weird respect thing that guys have. Where they're just like, yeah, uh, that's what we want. We want the people who think they're going to dominate us to then like, we, we beat them. But they respect us so much that now we're friends. And they're, we're friendly and stuff like that. That's what I'm talking about. And this character... He has the ability to, like, I guess, climb mountains with just his fingertips because he has crazy grip strength. And because his fingertips are so strong, it, like, uh, he can, like, tear through flesh like a razor blade. And every time he, like, stretches his fingers out, like, the, they make a razor blade sound, like, shing, like a knife. I was like, this is so ridiculous. But I, I really love it. It's such a fun game. Or <laughs> game. See? Freud didn't slip. It's a great show. Um... And in regards to the show, there's, I don't know, there's just the right amount of crazy belief. It has all the stereotypical characters that you would want in a fighting game. It's got the the holy uh, priest character who is only fighting to protect like a little his little sibling or his daughter or whatever got that character you got the demon character who's just a wild man who just wants to fight you have the beast like character you've got the cool silent protagonist and then you've got the androgynous antagonist who basically is Hisoka from Hunter x Hunter mixed with um a million other bad guys from different Final Fantasy games and he's like in love with Oma because he's gonna kill him and all this stuff and it's just hilarious a little bit of Parsons from Hunter Hunters in there and it's just it's just really funny when it pans over to him and like first he's this like mysterious crazy evil like kind of character and you're like oh he looks strong then it slowly kind of reveals that no he's just he he wants him to be his rival but then the next thing you know he's like okay he's a little attached i you know it's okay and then <laughs> one of the guards um has to attack this guy to show like that this place is no joke and so he takes this one guy out and then some blood gets spilled on Oma. So this guy just like kills that guard because nothing can hurt his precious Oma. And he's going to really fight him. And that's when he's going to. And then it just becomes silly when it pans to him at night in the bedroom. He's got like this giant Oma plush pillow that he's hugging on while being completely naked. And <laughs> I swear, like, okay, any thought of seriousness for this show just went out the window. Um, but it makes me smile it entertains me it makes me laugh and it's so ridiculous that they were able to maintain these personalities inside something that could have been just as over-the-top brawler they found a way to speak to kind of like my childhood and um my my funny bone i guess the way they put this together i 
actually want to watch it completely again that whole season just because it's so fun and intense. I got worked up. Um, but let's see what else in regards to this show we can kind of discuss because I feel like there's quite a bit more. Like, where do I think it's going? What do I think is going to happen next? And where do we leave off? So the next question that has to be asked is, what's going to happen next? Are there any predictions? Are there any uh, intimations that things are going to be different? That's the question. So, one of the weird things that this show did is that it kind of ended the first season abruptly. It just sort of stopped. (laughs) There wasn't a real big cliffhanger moment. It didn't just end with his win. It didn't even show the fight of whom I'm guessing is the main antagonist and what he was going to do in the arena. He didn't even get to see him in combat at all. So it makes me kind of ask the question, are they saving something? Are they animating something kind of spectacular for his fight? Um, Probably. I mean, he has essentially the most emotional investment to the protagonist and kind of vice versa because the protagonist, Oma, has the whole history with him and his sensei and his sensei being killed by this other guy's sensei and the other guy already having killed his sensei so he stole his revenge out from under him almost diverting the revenge plot that was going to take place and that's legitimately his only connection to that past history now the protagonist is claiming that doesn't matter he just wants to prove that he's the strongest that that's all he cares about but we all know that it is historically factual that main characters lie to themselves they lie to the audience and they kind of withhold their true nature about themselves because for maybe they're embarrassed or maybe they're tired or maybe they just don't want to share that happens quite a bit so In thinking about that and in kind of keeping tabs in regards to that, it makes me know that there's going to be something deeper there. And so maybe that's what they're going to give us in that next season. Um, The way that it kind of broke off was a little bit, eh, it didn't quite it didn't feel bad it just felt like you were running down the road and all of a sudden there's just no more road and so you're just kind of running in midair like a Bugs Bunny cartoon before you just kind of drop off the cliff I wanted some sort of and this is the end of the season moment but they just didn't give it to us so that was the only weird thing that happened uh, because we haven't really seen the full scope of the tournament We're starting to see the gradual development of Yamashita, how he's now starting to just do things. Even though he knows he's not capable of those things, he's doing them anyway. And that's kind of the funny part when it comes to his character. He is just doing 
being himself in this weird environment and for whatever reason things are just clicking and it could be the fact that Oma the protagonist is in a lot of ways rubbing off on him it could be the fact that it's just they just wanted some comic relief in this semi-serious show or it just could be the fact that the storytelling is working on a more subtle level than we intended but my guess is that he is going to develop into not a strong physically character but a more emotionally strong character a more mentally strong character so that he can in a lot of ways use his good nature and his positivity and his friendliness to kind of combat the harshness and the edge that people sort of hold against them to kind of mollify the I guess you would say simplicity or ridiculousness or whatever that kind of surrounds the situation because it is a ridiculous situation. He has no business being there. This whole tournament has no business existing, but it does. So seeing that and kind of understanding the full course of what they're trying to do, um, my prediction is of course that they are going to kind of lead up to the uh, Suns champion or his contestant from the Kurup clan, the guy who kind of has his hair cut into horns (laughs) so that like it looks like he's like a demon when he goes crazy. Great character. That whole clan is interesting. Why do they have gray eyes with dark gray pupil makes no sense but they do in this world and they're all like killer assassins and it's just this cool little contextual thing that they just decided to do for this show so I want to see more of that I'm predicting that his son is eventually going to have to go outside I'm predicting that his son is almost going to get killed by these people but his dad is going to somehow save him and he's going to reconnect with him his son is maybe going to set up a company for his dad and actually run it while his dad is the figurehead is my prediction I like how the one black guy is now an announcer for no reason he just like ran downstairs and then she was like why do you have a microphone now and he just started commentating very funny but then they didn't take it back they just kind of kept it going so it's still in the show it's stuff like that like it's doesn't take itself too seriously and I'm really really curious if we're gonna see the old man battle so we have the crazy strong uh, old man who's the head of the organization head of that bank then we have the other crazy strong old man who's the head of that assassin family are they gonna fight are they going to fight together? Uh, is there going to be somebody that tries to contend with them and they're going to get together like uh, Netero and um, uh, uh, what's Killua's grandfather's name? I'll just call him G-Chan. <laughs> and they're going to be like battling the Chimera Ants. Is that what's going to happen? I'm not really sure because the tournament is not going to be the end. That's typically what good those good stories do is that they will veer away from the tournament into a bigger grander story maybe a battle for humanity or a battle for um, legacy or a battle for just life family something else and then maybe it'll crescendo and then end back wrap itself back around 
back to the tournament for a final fight between Oma and somebody else or something. That's my guess. Um, this, this has been a very typical show while being very atypical at the same time. So there's a lot in it that we can predict, but then there's a lot in it that is going to be just quite unpredictable. I think that this is one of the better Netflix anime. I kind of peruse and scroll through a few others and they don't quite keep me the same way as this one. And it could be not better, but actually more satisfying just to someone like me because of how I grew up, because of what I like, because I want what I want to see from my shows. There's a very big possibility that that is what's drawing me towards it in addition to a certain level of quality which is the entry point towards you can deter- towards it being able to determine if something satisfies you or not all that being said i'm very enthused about this show i want more people to be enthusiastic about this show because it's just it's just a fun show it's just a fun show that I could just kind of sit back and keep watching and I'm probably going to watch the full season again when I get a little bit of time when I'm done watching something else. So, thanks for listening to Uncle Hokage's anime podcast. Um, I'm going to talk about something different, something random next time. Maybe I'll do something about manga. I want to talk a little bit about those long series that kind of still are going that you can't quite put down because they can't end like Hunter Hunter like One Piece Vinland Saga Berserk stuff like that or maybe I'll just talk about Gaunts and I'll go and gush about that being basically my second favorite manga maybe maybe second or third or maybe I'll do a top 10 list of my favorite manga and actually give you the full breakdown um, but for now Thanks for uh, this little uh, walkthrough with King and Asura. Uh, do me a favor and share the podcast with one other person. It kind of keeps me going. That's the only way that I ever learn about podcasts is just from my friends, uh, word of mouth, all that good stuff. So if me sitting and pontificating about this stuff uh, kind of like, you know, is satisfying for you and cool to listen to, just do me a favor and share with one other person so we can kind of keep doing more of these i'm going to keep doing them anyway because they're just fun and even if i wasn't recording them i'd still be doing this stuff in my head and with my friends (laughs) so it's just fun seeing him recorded to kind of see how my speculations whether they're right or wrong uh whether interesting or not um at least i'm always honest and enthusiastic about my opinions so like share subscribe Love, peace, and hair grease. Bye.